And we're back. I'm Gervier Brum here with Jamal Carsandu, and we are screen off script. This week, we're getting into Tar, and we're talking about all the nominations for the 2023 Oscars. And the Academy Award. For Best Picture. You're impossible. Come on. Everything, everywhere, all the In our first segment, we're going to be talking about the 2023 Oscars, all the nominations, all our thoughts. We also are going to be giving our review for Kate Blanchett's Tar. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about the biggest news story this week. We finally have 2023's Oscar nominations. Yep. Uh, let's break them down. Let's talk about why we agree or disagree with these things. Sure. Uh, obviously, I think the biggest thing we should get out of the way is Best Picture. Yeah. Right? Biggest award you could possibly get in film. It, so, c- it could easily add like 30, 40, 50 million dollars to the overall take of a movie because normally what happens is the film that wins Best Best Picture usually gets another run at the theater and mm-hmm. all of a sudden all these people that for whatever reason didn't watch it in its original run in the last 12 months are like, all right, it won Best Oscar for Best Picture. I need to go watch it now. Yeah, and the crazy thing is like you can be dismissive of like an award I feel like you can be dismissive of like most awards, right? right? Like if you if you say like the Golden Globes, you know, maybe doesn't mean as much. There are award shows that don't have the same weight that these do. Yeah. At the end of the day, people base their entire year, right? Like they're they're creating these films. Like sometimes they want to make a lot of money, but sometimes they just want to win this award. Yeah. Right. They're going out of their way that for this to feel very important. And uh, I I think the prestige of like any award show is completely trumped by the oscars right like there's only a handful of awards that really really matter this is the award right and uh, let's go through uh all the nominations first one was all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water the banshees of inisherin elvis everything everywhere all at once the fablemans tar top gun maverick triangle of sadness and women talking mm-hmm. first thing i want to talk about is mostly just out of those who are you like what were you the most happy that ended up making that list Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Because I know it's picked up a lot of momentum in the last couple of months in in terms of picking up awards, but I go back to when we first watched it Mm -hmm. and our initial thoughts were, this is an underdog story. Mm -hmm. I don't care what happens in terms of Globes and, and Critics' Choice and the Rotten Tomato score, this, that, the other. It doesn't matter. I just hope when it comes to the big one, yeah, the Academy Awards, the Oscars... Just get nominated. Yeah, just yeah, get the yeah. nomination. Just get the tip of the hat. Just get your flowers so that you're in the mix. You're in the conversation. And it kind of goes back to what you were just saying. People wait for the Oscar nominations to come out. But yeah, the one I'm most happy about is Everything Everywhere All at Once just because it feels like since its release and the money it made at the box office and now finally getting awards, it still feels to me like the biggest underdog story of the last 12 months. It's so funny because when you talk about this movie, the way we were talking about it earlier in the year was like, oh, please just get nominated. Yeah. Right? And like we were just hoping that it would get some sort of recognition because it is such a spectacular film. Yes. And it's also been the one that we've been kind of championing this entire year as well like i hope regardless of what we've seen along award season uh even when we saw in music uh, film festivals and all that kind of stuff we were just hoping that this would be the one that still at least was appreciated and the crazy thing is now it feels almost like you know it got 11 nominations at Mm -hmm. the oscar so Mm -hmm. obviously it's the it's the biggest winner as far as nominations go but i just hope because a lot of times when something like that happens where it's just like, oh my God, look how it, it got nominated for everything. This is great. And now it feels like it's not the underdog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe perceptually people are looking at it like, oh, this is now the favorite. Mm. I hope people don't dismiss it and don't overlook what it actually is as a film. And like, I hope they they uh, still like, you know, as far as the nomination goes, that's great. Yeah. But I hope it goes all the way. And like that is still like, as far as like our hopes and like what we're, we're our favorites kind of going into uh, award season this was always my favorite going in and i always to this day after watching all these movies that we've seen i still want this to be the big winner at this year's oscars had this been maybe three four five years ago does it get nominated yeah because the academy changed the criteria of best picture and expanded it to 10 nominations mm-hmm. on the flip side i think to myself if you're a part of the academy that has to vote you've got 10 options right and again going to your point do you does anyone that's voting think oh you know what everything everywhere all at once it's kind of got its flowers it's got all these nominations but i want to give it to this other film instead yeah right so yeah. now so now is that pivotal moment now like was this movie if you're a voter good enough 
compared to the rest of the nominations and the rest of the pack good enough for you to give your ultimate commitment say this was the best film i saw in 2022 that's it there's my ballot cast and done yeah when when that award is being presented i am gonna be just as like anxious as like those cast like obviously they're gonna be like massively more but i'm gonna be anxious as hell this is gonna be the one and i i will have a genuine pop when that movie if it were to win yeah when you look at this also was there anything surprising because like obviously like i'd say the two things we we can kind of just see off the bat is Mm. we haven't yet seen all quiet on the western front and we also haven't seen woman talking yeah that's Uh, gonna be the next things that we end up watching obviously yeah but the interesting thing is that there are a bunch of other films that we have obviously reviewed and talked about and that were part of our, you know, best of 2022 yeah. list. All right. Yeah. So when you look at this, anything surprise you? Nothing surprises me personally, because I think uh, outside of All Quiet on the Western Front and Women Talking, pretty much everything else either made it to my top 10 of 2022, uh, the omission being The Banshees of Inisherin, because we only just watched it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and reviewed it um so i don't have time to kind of put that into my list of, of top 10 and who knows if i would have i'm not sure at the moment yeah honestly i was kind of thinking about empire of light yeah i was thinking about empire of light that felt like oscar bait in a way not yeah. not, not oscar bait but like that feels like something that would have for sure in any other year been nominated it's I almost agree. surprising that it's not nominated yeah and i've got some other thoughts on that and some of the other categories uh we're going to be talking about later but it's funny that you we both feel that way but at the right. same time it didn't make our top 10 list either that's that's true isn't that weird it is true um and and maybe the other nominations that we haven't seen like all quiet on the western front and women talking once we watch it we're like makes total sense isn't it funny makes so much sense i haven't seen all quiet on the western front but a part of me almost doesn't want to only because like i don't know if you have the same experience but i like in history class in high school we had to watch like the old version, the black and white one. Wow. Yeah. So I, I remember like just thinking of this is why I, I think of that. Like, I, I, I wonder if I have like a negative association because I'm thinking this is like a movie you're going to watch in school. You know, it's crazy. So that's your experience. You know what my experience is? Mm. I haven't seen the original. Mm. The fact that this is a remake of a, a, a classic movie in Hollywood in, in terms of in the history of cinema, yeah. right? And it's been remade and it's like getting crazy number of awards and nominations. Yeah, How yeah. mad is that? One, okay, one thing I will say. Mm. Yeah, obviously, there was a few movies on here that I didn't personally love. Sure. Right? Like I, I had a negative review of Banshees of Inisherin. Yes. And I had a negative review of Top Gun Maverick. Yes. The one I want to kind of talk about, like I can understand the Banshees of Inisherin just because it felt like the kind of movie that gets nominated for stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like as much as I might not like it. Yeah. That's a personal taste thing. But at the same time, like I can recognize that like this is what award season people like. Right. You know what I mean? Top Gun Maverick is like this weird thing that's like just completely slipping through all the cracks that it shouldn't go through. It shouldn't like obviously it's a it's a it's a movie that's meant to make a lot of money. And yeah. It did that. Yeah. But it's not supposed to nominated for best picture it's not supposed to be like getting all this critical acclaim and it's interesting to see that it is getting that and uh, i want to get your thoughts on like why you think like something like this should be nominated for best picture i totally understand that point of view because on the surface it's a summer blockbuster it's a sequel Mm -hmm. and it's a tom cruise summer blockbuster action movie yeah it's like all the things that shouldn't be best picture right and and then i start to think to myself historically how many sequels have even just had the nod of a nomination mm-hmm. but here we are on this list and we see two avatars the second movie and top gun second movie yeah but let's focus on top gun for a second it's funny too because both of those feel like visual achievements this year mm-hmm. right and i think that's like the biggest thing going for them yeah but my my, my biggest thing like at the end of the day avatar the way of water feels like uh an achievement that's like specifically in film history this is going to be like something we look at and be like wow i can't believe a movie can look like that at this time right right like that's a really beautiful movie to make uh i feel like uh with top gun maverick it's almost like the shots are incredible i absolutely understand that but it's also still like an action movie mm-hmm. right very it feels very different when you compare them it's also a surrogate father son story as well mm-hmm. and again it, there's so much weight added to the first movie where if you don't really have an uh, an emotional connection to that first movie you just don't get those payoffs I in get the sequel that, yeah. right it's so important and to i'm one of those people. yeah, yeah i totally understand right but again this kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier on about this particular category expanding to 10 films being nominated and i remember when the lord of the rings movies were coming out is it going to get nominated is it not going to get nominated and i feel like with the oscars we've got to a a point now especially with this category where because it is 10 movies i feel like the academy can say all right we're gonna like acknowledge the movies that 
historically and typically check those boxes from those filmmakers independent movies art house movies the kind of movies that get a limited run uh don't get you know the the real box office flowers on, on a massive you know theatrical run and, and things of that nature but at the same time we've got the space now to also incorporate what just happened to be the most popular mu- movies of the previous 12 months mm-hmm. right and i think avatar and top gun are an indication of hey listen the the public loved this movie and you can tell that they loved it because of the box office receipts critically both movies both from an audience perspective and from you know the critics love this movie for the most part right i know you and me kind of had different uh, opinions on top gun maverick and i feel like when you kind of take away that top layer of you know action movie sequel tom cruise and all that kind of stuff and then you kind of dig a little bit deeper in terms of how much it meant to film goers that had that connection to the first movie the fact that you can easily say it's one of the not, not just the, one of the greatest sequels of all time but one of the greatest legacy sequels of all time and it's also a very different movie to the to the first one in many different ways um, i think there's enough in there that it could easily get a nomination i do not see it winning whatsoever i i, I would be pissed if i'm being honest like it's cool you know at the end of the day nominate it i yeah. get that I, it would feel like a real slap in the face to a lot of other movies for that to win and this is what i'm saying i, th- I feel like with top gun maverick it's got the nod say hey we've included you in the list guys yeah exactly but don't get your hopes up because of the rest of this like list and it's funny because like that's i, I wonder if that's how other people feel about everything everywhere all at once right, right? do they yeah. look at that movie and go like that's an action movie it's yeah a, a martial arts movie blah mm-hmm. blah blah like mm-hmm. it's a multiverse movie there's all these other factors that kind of go into it not being like the best picture kind of thing right but it, what connects to me is like the emotionality and like all the relationships that kind of hold it together like are the glue of that movie i honestly wish that what you just said right there the emotional connection like had you had that experience with the first Top Gun movie like I genuinely feel like for a lot of people that didn't watch it or it was just not something that they grew up with that that was such an emo- uh, an important part of what your experience would have been with the sequel and it's just one of those things if you got it you got the payout and if you, if you didn't then you're going to have that disassociation with the movie she appears to be in a universe where everyone has hot dogs instead of fingers as far as directing goes like mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's going to be another really interesting category. Obviously, the top four we consider uh, the top four categories are going to be like best picture, uh, directing, best actor, best actress. So as far as directing goes, any omissions, anything that you thought that shouldn't have made this? Because I feel like uh, if I'm being honest, this feels like a really strong list. It does. Uh, And I just want to say one thing before we get into it. I want to see best director get expanded to 10. Mm films cinema movies is a director's medium everything stops with the director and i feel like if they expanded best picture to 10 like the second best kind of like award is in my opinion the director right it's why we are such big fans of nolan and spielberg and other you know directors that have won oscars in the past because we know oh my god his next project i can't wait because you know it's just a fantastic filmmaker um, so yeah, bit of an aside. I do want to see this uh, list get expanded. I don't, I don't want to see every list get expanded to ten. I actually like that. It's very cutthroat in other categories where it's just like the top five, very very simple to digest and kind of going to go through. And but I do want to see directors get expanded to ten. Anyway, regardless, tough man, very very tough. I'm gonna lean towards the Dan's right, the Daniels here with mm-hmm. everything everywhere all at once because I feel like if it wins best picture, why shouldn't it win best director? I I, can, I think that's like, that's my connective that's tissue with those been... two award categories every single year. Yeah. And when the Oscars have given us exhibit A, best picture, and then exhibit B is a different director from a different film, I just can't connect the dots there. Because if you were happy enough to give film A the nomination and the award for best film why wouldn't you automatically also give the best director that same kind of nod because everything you know stops with the director does that make sense it's a weird award to give almost separately right you know what i mean because i i remember growing up and looking at best picture and like all the producers come on stage yeah and like i remember thinking like where's the director right right and i was like well aren't they the one that's like responsible for all of this and it's like oh okay well like i understand the film business and i like I, i grew with that more but like when i'm watching best picture i'm almost i'm automatically associating best director with that yes so i completely understand that the interesting point i've been noticing uh, as far as like how people are reacting to this award specifically is like the omission of any female directors mm-hmm. and it's interesting uh, the only thing, point i'm going to make about that is that it's interesting that like 
directing for sure like obviously there's no female directors in this list yeah but the interesting thing i thought and we've been talking about this all year is how strong the performances of women have been for this year and how much that's had like a chokehold on cinema this year we talked about how like you know at the end of the day there aren't there's not like uh, the best actor isn't super competitive best actress was massively competitive i just feel like that's almost being a little bit dismissive of the impact that women have had this year on film they've been massively influential and some of the best things in film have been come from women this year yeah even when you talk about like a movie like tar right Mm -hmm. like one of the best performances of the maybe the best performance of the entire year with Kate Blanchett and on top of that probably the best performance of her entire career as well mm-hmm. right and and there's so many strong performances in all these uh movies from women and it's just I understand that it's not coming from a female director yeah but it features so many strong female performances every single one actually uh besides Banshees of Inisherin like every single one has massively strong performances from women yeah i feel like it's still one of those things where hollywood is very slowly changing and women a still aren't getting enough opportunities to actually direct absolutely um and then when we kind of get it maybe we get it in batches Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't be surprised if next year oh there's like two women uh filmmakers that are nominated for best director only because this year we just happen to get some high caliber films and they just happen to be by women right Mm -hmm. and i do wonder again kind of going back to my initial argument about why this should be expanded to 10 is does that if you expand it to 10 does that kind of give you enough leeway to incorporate you know female film directors or people of color i don't know but also i kind of just go back every single award is like expanded to 10 i can um, i don't want it to be every single award uh, just or just director because i feel so passionate about you know who you know who is in charge of this film i wonder what the like how they view the cutoff because i almost understand best picture being like 10 and mm-hmm. everything else being five i yeah. get that because you know the exclusivity is what makes it like so valuable yeah but I, we can go into like best uh best actress as well i feel like that's like the natural progression we're talking about right now but sure uh we're talking about kate blanchett being nominated for tar mm. anna de armas for blonde uh andrea riseborough for two leslie uh michelle williams for the fablemans and michelle yo for everything everywhere all at once yeah I just said that I thought Kate Blanchett is maybe the best performance of the entire year. So I'm like, it's almost in my, like I said, as far as how competitive it felt on the way yeah. to award season, I have how, like who's going to be nominated for this? Who's going to win best actress for now? Like now in my head, it's almost such a clear cut winner is Kate Blanchett. Right. I haven't seen blonde and I haven't seen to Leslie. So I, I agree. Me too, me too. I can't weigh in. It's funny that I, I almost didn't, want to watch blonde because i saw how critically panned it was right and i was like i'll get to it eventually yeah. i still haven't gotten to it yeah i feel like this is going to be a two-horse race i know that kate blanchett right now is probably going to be the front runner yeah because she's already starting to pick up awards mm-hmm. but man michelle Yao, yeah that is again you know when you talk about underdog stories and she was uh, her speech at the golden globes was so powerful and it kind of goes into women of her age just not getting these kind of roles right the fact that she's um asian and like you know they have to go through a whole different experience compared to everybody else yeah this film if if somehow some way michelle yao gets the nod over kate blanchett i'm gonna be so happy for listen i'll be happy for kate blanchett too like don't get me wrong it is an incredible performance it really really is but from what i've seen I do think it's a two-horse race. It's yeah. those two for me. That That is my... Uh, I, obviously, Kate Blanchett is my front-runner. Yeah. But if I had a dark horse, it's definitely going to be Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, even speaking about actresses, we also have actress in a supporting role. I feel like this is a little bit more clear-cut because we got Angela Bassett in uh, Wakanda Forever. Right. I feel like she's a clear-cut probably going to win this I thing. I think so. We got Hong Chow in The Whale. We got Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Anna Sharon. We got Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Stephanie Sue in the same movie. It's interesting that both of them got nominated for best supporting role just shows the strength of that movie you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. how much can we talk about the, how good this goddamn movie yeah, is yeah i know it, it's being nominated for not only everything across the board but multiple times in multiple categories like yeah. that's that's insane it's wild man it really is as far as best actor goes this is uh, like i said it's very interesting because it never felt like there was such a clear-cut winner yeah. and, and now it feels like this might be more of a competitive uh category when we're talking about Austin Butler as Elvis, Colin Farrell as the Banshees of Inisherin, who won obviously the Golden Globe, uh, Brandon Fraser in The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun, and Bill Nye in Living. W- looking at this category, I am almost like oh, I can't believe I missed After Sun and Living. Like the, I, yeah. I read up on like what the synopsises were on those. I was like, 
How did I miss these movies? Yeah. You know what? That's what I love about Oscar season. Yes. I was just about to say that. Like, we're not the only ones out there, right? And we love movies so much. We're film buffs. We watch movies all the freaking time. We have mm-hmm. a podcast and a social media if you dedicate to it. And even we, for one reason or another, just don't get the opportunity or the time or just doesn't fall into our radar, some of these films. And all of a sudden, oh my God, awarded for an Oscar? Well, I better carve out some time to watch it. Yeah. So on this list, I haven't seen The Whale, I haven't seen Living, and I haven't seen After Sun. Of these three, I have to say, the one that I was really hoping to see, and I think we both were, especially during TIFF, was the whale now i will say this i've only seen obviously two of these five movies and if i had to just tell you right off the bat who i think would win it's austin butler as elvis i love that movie i love his performance he's already starting to pick up awards as well yeah and on the surface it does feel like yeah that's the kind of like performance of a character that you think would win an award Mm -hmm. at the oscars right but i am so interested to see the whale because everything about the Brendan Fraser story just feels like it's one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Yeah. When it comes to a guy that was legit A-lister opening up a movie, box office. Um, I feel like, you know, going back to California Man, you know, which I'd watch again and again and again on VHS. Yeah. Uh, to seeing him, you know, be involved in a franchise like the Mummy franchise. And then to see him literally just disappear off the face of this planet yeah. for some reason, to come back. And again, I haven't seen the movie, and I know you haven't seen the movie either, mm-hmm. but just that visual that we've seen on images and some trailers and some and videos of him just completely obese and overweight and what you know we know the kind of movie is sort of about. Yeah. Man, I feel like he's gonna be a, a you know a strong contender to, to to pick this up, no? I I that's what it seems like. We still right? haven't seen it, but yeah. that's definitely what the feel is. I almost feel like I don't wanna give my pick for this one because yeah. I just haven't seen enough movies. Yes. I still got to see it. Also, just on a side note, actor in a supporting role, we got Brandon Gleason for Banshees, uh, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, which is fantastic. Uh, such a small role, but to see him nominated is like yeah. absolutely justified. Uh, Barry Cogan and Banshees again. Interesting to see two people nominated for that again. And uh, Kihu Kwan, who's been winning everything. Yeah. Right. And it feels like the Encino Man prophecy is going to be completed <laughs> and Kihu Kwan and Brandon Fraser seem like the front runners in these situations yeah but yeah as, as far as like those acting categories and maybe even directing as well any other like any omissions that you notice that you're like I can't believe this didn't get nominated I think the biggest one for me was Empire of Light I just felt like they were, again kind of going back to the idea of okay it didn't make our top 10 but I just felt like Sam Mendes has got such a strong history yeah. with the Academy Awards and he's always been nominated nominated he's picked up you know a lot of awards himself and it's such a beautiful movie it's a know? beautiful movie it's, it's a love letter cinema good looking movie yeah. and it's almost surprising that it didn't get more love yeah Olivia Coleman not getting uh, a nomination for, for Best Actress was a, a big one for me uh, I thought she did a fantastic job and she's also someone that's been you know consistently been getting awards and nominations in the last three four years she's yeah. been on an incredible run you know what my biggest omission and uh, it, it's gonna go back to something we talked about before it's pearl for me it's at, at the end of the day with pearl like you get so much not only as far as like the film but what should have been nominated is my golf as pearl i hate the argument that horror movies don't get nominations mm. that is such a shitty argument in my head because it feels like the voting committee for oscars need to do like crunches or something if you don't have a stomach for horror figure it out yeah. because at the end of the day uh watching my golf not be nominated for such an incredible performance if we were to isolate just one scene yeah. for every single best actress there's no way you're not going to be absolutely stunned by what she was able to accomplish in that just just that one scene where she's going off on a monologue that alone should be enough for a nomination if you ask me on top of that like just to see how it's just like a it's a pattern that just keeps it's just consistent right when we talk about how like these best picture things are evolving this thing where people don't seem to give horror movies their flowers yeah is upsetting to me because right. when we're looking at like hereditary and like all these movies Ari Aster not being nominated like on a very regular basis like these things should be corrected watching somebody just spill their guts in such a specific way it it's like it blows my mind that a movie like Pearl isn't going to get nominated I knew it I knew it wasn't going to mm. but I was like ready with this because I knew this wasn't going to happen but it should happen can I be honest? So when I did a little search on social media, it was literally Top Gun Maverick for cinematography. And the other big omission that people were up in arms about was Pearl. 
So yeah. you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. In in that surprised. opinion and that point of view, I feel like, and I don't even th- I don't even feel like it's people that are just fans of horror. Like I had a good time watching that movie, yeah. and I'm not the biggest fan of horror. Yeah. I just, I just feel that's like that's what I mean. Right? Yeah. I get. What you, I totally understand exactly where you're coming from, but I feel like Mia Goth should have maybe got a nomination. And again, I don't want to keep saying it should be expanded to ten because like I, I like it cutthroat. And again, we haven't seen the other performances yeah. to say otherwise whether Absolutely. it would be better or not. But I totally feel where you're coming from on that. Yeah, and it feels like as far as like recognized performance, like I would just wish uh it wasn't automatically dismissive that like this is a horror movie it's just not gonna be nominated yeah that's very annoying other movies that i thought probably should have been nominated in some way uh besides obviously angela bassett i'm it's interesting that uh wakanda forever just didn't really get that much love Mm. uh nope not being nominated for like things like cinematography or even sound or something like that like nope it's just a beautiful movie you know what i mean if you take away the idea of like wanting to be scared it's almost like it's being it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. when it comes to horror when it, for Nope because it's not a traditional horror movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not being given the praise that it should be for not being a traditional horror movie. Right. Uh, did Babylon get any nominations? Uh, yeah, it got, yeah, costume design, music, production design. Those are all... Those all, all make like, sense. as it should be not nominated for all of those. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm happy that it actually got something there. Yeah. You know what would be cool? is just to see A24, you know, continue its great heritage of picking up awards. 100%. Listen, at the end of the day, like, they didn't get their flowers when Moonlight won, mm-hmm. right? La La Land got, like, this weird controversy moment, yeah. right? They almost got the big pop, and then Moonlight got this, like, oh, okay, 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 they actually won, and yeah, they got yeah, this, like, yeah. weird dissipating, cl- like, clap. And it's like, this should be, like, A24's crowning moment, because they took a chance on new directors, they took a chance on such a wild concept, and on top of that, they really captured a moment because while like the world is kind of riding with like Marvel, yeah, you know, uh, on this multiverse journey that they're about to go on for this next couple of years, yeah, A twenty four is like okay, cool, like you're about to do that, we're gonna pop out this thing that's the best version of that, yeah, and there's no way that you're actually gonna touch this movie. You know what I mean? Like, they basically showed them how to do it before they actually got to do it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I feel like this is going to be a really interesting run for the Oscars this year. And uh, Overall, are you, with all the nominations coming out, are you excited about the Oscars? Are I, you I excited am, about the Academy Awards? I'm nervous. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, this is the thing, because now I have emotional investment yeah. into this thing. So Which is always a good thing. This is great. This yeah. is, like, what you hope for. This is what life is. This yeah. Is, I, I love this. And, um... If you don't have an emotional stake going into an award season, it's like, who cares anyways? But, like, this year, we talked about how much of a banner year this has been for movies. Yes. So this feels like a great year to get excited about these movies. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, we have basically reviewed the vast majority of the movies that got nominated, that go into the back catalogue. You can go back over the last 12 months and listen to all of our reviews and we've got a few in the bank like yeah. we we still have a few reviews i think coming up in the next couple of weeks that are gonna tick the box of uh, movies that are nominated that we haven't had a chance to watch yet. yeah exactly we're for sure gonna catch up on everything but yeah uh, yeah that's everything for the oscars let's get into the movie we're talking about this week kate blanchett in is. tar lydia tar is many things as a conductor, Tar began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tar as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. Uh, so first off, this is made for film fans, made for cinephiles who go through an experience for mm-hmm. these two and a half hours that we went through for this. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what your thoughts were for this movie. I have a lot of thoughts. Well, first of all, let's talk about just Kate Blanchett's performance. Yeah. It's this movie is all about her. She's it, playing it is, the yeah. title character. She's literally in every single scene, like bar maybe like one or two quick little cutaway shots or something like that. You have to remember, this is a two and a half hour movie. And for an actor to be playing, you know, a role and a character for pretty much the entire duration is incredible. The fact that we see her, you know, actually perform the composing as a maestro, play the piano. She's also acting and providing dialogue in both English and in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even to talk about what the actual character goes through. Yeah. So just talking about Kate Blanchett, first of all, she's obviously getting a lot of nom- nominations for Best Actor. actor. Yeah. She's getting dubs. Yeah. And uh, we've spoken about this at length. I feel like of all the categories, I feel like Best Actress this year 
I just can't remember it being so like incredibly full of so many amazing performances where regardless of how I feel mm-hmm. and how I would vote, if someone said to me, I'm going to give my vote to X for this performance, I get it. it- I totally understand and and that's a big compliment to what we saw in Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar. It's funny that you mentioned that because like it, it feels like the entire season we went on like, oh, this person's going to win an Oscar. Right. And then the next movie came along we're like, whoa, this person's going to win the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then next, and then now it's like, oh shit, Kate Blanchett is going to win the Oscar. It's essentially like a one woman show, mm. right? We're watching the struggles of this obsessed artist go through the pain of developing and creating a show. And it's interesting because it is contextually like where we are right now. We're coming out of COVID. They mentioned that same thing. Mm. It feels very much like a, like where we are right now. Like the first thing we start off with is basically them, you know, at a conference, uh, people just listen to them do a talk. And that, that, that feels very like, uh, of the experience of like what we would do right now. You know, we listen to like directors talk about movies and then we go and watch the movie. This movie very much is that spot in between that of like the process. Yeah. Right. And I, that's what I really love about this movie is how we're watching somebody make something. Yeah. One of the kind of, again, major positive takeaways for me from this movie is just the character arc that Lydia Tarr goes through. Yeah. Because you talk about that opening scene and it's basically just set up to tell you as the audience how incredible Lydia Tarr is as a composer the legacy her education her history what she's done she is this like almost godlike figure when it comes to orchestra and composing music and and being a maestro and then throughout the course of the two and a half hours all of that slowly starts to unravel both personally and professionally and we start to see the kind of it person she is and how she uses this um stature of power in this community mm-hmm. uh, as leverage to do things and and also even even you know thinking about you know the, the other worlds that we are passionate about you know pro wrestling mma and you see this really important figure has a team of pr executives help guide her to through, through all the landmines of things that are happening in her life in real yeah. time it's fascinating to it, see that it really is fascinating because at the end of the day this is like a whole it's a whole story about how like obsession and ambition can just become the central parts of your life mm. just completely take over yeah and then at that point you're not even recognizing what is going on in the world you're basically choosing what's valuable to you and that's all you're laser focused on yeah it's so interesting to see this character just be so aggressively like laser focused on her obsession of her art mm-hmm. right and uh you see, like, I think, like, an early scene that we can talk about is kind of, I think one of the more interesting scenes I've seen this year, maybe, is like that, that one scene where she's basically going off and defending art over the artist, right? Like, when one of her students is going, uh, is talking about how, you know, one of the uh, composers that she was admiring was flawed, like, a character in this way and that way and all this kind of stuff. And she, she's does, she starts defending the idea that, you no, know, the art, the idea of the composing, that's much more important than whatever differences you might have Mm. and that scene is so interesting because that's how much of so much of a discourse of like what's happening right now how many people talk about anything like where where you know like their favorite artist gets canceled but like at the end of the day they're still making these concessions because they believe in the artist so much and or they believe in what the artist has provided us yeah so much more than all right well I, i know they're bad but like at the same time like they made this you know what i mean like for example like if you'd be like i don't know Kanye west is a jerk but he made my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. You know what right. I mean? And a lot of people are going to share that opinion. Yeah. Right. And that scene is real pivotal. I'm so glad that you brought up that scene because I've got two other things to say about that scene that I found incredible and blew me away. The first being the vast majority of that scene is one take. Yeah. Which is just like, people don't understand how hard that is to, to make sure your cast, the lighting, the audio, the the, the lens being in focus, uh, making sure that everyone is happy, both the director and the lead actor, in this case, Kate Blanche, is happy with the performance. I would love to know if that was one take. Yeah. Or if they did that a bunch of times and they kind of landed on the one that they felt was like the best one to kind of like you know slot into the movie. But that is something that we also don't see too much uh, hardly ever to be honest with you very very rare do we see these really super long takes without any cuts and edits because we're just so conditioned in this day and age to see so many movies with fast cuts and we're in the social media world and it's like, like you know moving on to the next moving on to yeah, the next yeah. it's like so we were really living in that moment at that time we really were yeah. and that's a really 
um, bold choice by the filmmaker. And sometimes moves like that can completely miss because it can feel so drawn out where you're like, yo, what's going on? But the performance in that scene and what the characters go through is so important that I think it worked really well. Yeah. Number one. Number two, what I want to say about the scene, it's, and I guess leans into social media, it's kind of more towards the end of the movie where we are almost taken back to that scene, yeah. but how someone has chopped it up to give you a completely different perspective of what actually went down yeah. in that scene, how they kind of like splice it and use kind of like what we know went, went, went down without any cuts to literally a 60 second social media piece that you may see on Instagram and give you a completely different perspective of what the conversation was initially. I think regardless, if you watch that full conversation or if you watch that small video, if you watch both of them, I think regardless, if you watch that entire piece of that entire discussion, I think a part of you, like no matter what, you're going to walk away with whatever your political leanings are. Mm -hmm. Like if you think that she was a jerk because she's not recognizing people's character flaws and holding them accountable... I get that. I think you can walk away with that thought process right. by watching that full discussion. And I think I can also like understand how somebody would be like, no, 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 I kind of understand where she's coming from, from like the perspective of the artist. Yeah. I understand both of those thought processes. Either way, one, you get full context yeah. and the other, you get very limited context. Exactly. And I think, I think regardless, you can see that like, it didn't matter what happened in that conversation. Like whatever their, Whatever the inclination they felt, or what, however they felt about like like that situation, they were gonna walk away thinking that same thing, no matter what. Yeah. Next thing, I I mean, we we can. The interesting thing is gonna be like we're almost going through all these stages of what happened to Kate Blanchett's character. Right. But for Lydia, like I think the most pivotal thing is gonna be that uh, the death of uh, Krista Taylor, right? The the suicide of like one of her ex pupils, who obviously she she was working with and groomed into becoming whatever she wanted her to be, and then whatever went wrong and then just completely cutting her off and also cutting off uh, using her power and influence to cut off any sort of ability for her to you know join other troops or other uh, orchestras or whatever she was doing to to see like how power can corrupt somebody as well yeah in that way and see the influence of how that not only messed up that girl's life but messed up her life in the long run as well yeah and this is another interesting choice by todd field the filmmaker is at what point do we get information about Lydia Tarr throughout the movie? And it's almost like drips and drabs and yeah. almost, and then all of a sudden it's like, yo, hang on a second. She's been grooming pupils for for sexual favors and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, again, this kind of goes back to how the character arc is incredible. Yeah, because and you don't know who's a reliable narrator. Like when we're watching uh, Lydia's entire character arc, at the start, you're almost like riding with her, right? Yeah. Like you're like, wow, like she's such a, an ambitious person i'm so like it's so cool to see what she's going to accomplish yep and then you see everything else and you get the full picture you zoom out a little bit and you're like jesus christ who do i believe right now who do i who am i supposed to ride with in this ride we start with her being on a pedestal yeah and then slowly the movie just starts to chip away yeah. and we start to get more information but even how we get that information sometimes it isn't just like thrown into your face yeah at times you're kind of like led to kind of like almost think to yourself and kind of go off on your own little you know thought process in terms of what's actually going on here we get a few time jumps in terms of like you know days and weeks passing and yeah. you know I, I thought that part was very very interesting yeah it because, was jarring because I, I, it was all happening very quickly yeah and, and you just didn't know like okay wait so she lost everything she lost her family she right. lost her kid like everything with that um her losing everything and then moving back to new york and then her brother really sums it up really well because he says or you don't know where you came from and you don't know where you're going right right and that whole idea of her brother having the perspective of who she is as a person and then to be able to like completely just step away and be like oh shit like she, she, she obviously doesn't have like that foundation of like being connected to her roots yeah and then now she's been like part of this obsession that she's been working on for her entire life and even that is dismissing her like that's been she's been out she from that community completely too loses her sense of self yeah and, and then you can tell that she even afterwards start still clings to that yeah and, and still moves on and the crazy thing is she ends up conducting an orchestra for a movie while people are in like full cosplay at the end yeah so it's just like a crazy moment to watch and like it just cuts and you're watching this and you're like oh this is like it's it's like heartbreaking and accountable and it's like yeah. it's, it's a lot of stuff that happens but it's like it's a really crazy character arc to happen yeah and in that scene i was thinking okay she's escaping this whole mainstream situation happening uh in both new york and also in berlin She's gone to the Philippines. Yeah. And like where she's totally under the radar, but she kind of she still, you know, is doing what she loves to do, but 
It's for a video game series called Monster Hunter, and it's for, like you said, this audience of cosplayers. Yeah. And then just even, you know, in that kind of final five, ten minutes, we see her get some advice in terms of, you know, getting a massage, and she goes to what ends up being a brothel. And all of the oh yeah like the basically like the opposite of that rush hour scene yeah <laughs> that was really crazy and what's interesting about that whole scene is she walks in and then you know it cuts to her running out and throwing up and i was kind of thinking about that the 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 ladies and the girls that are sitting are sitting as an orchestra and so she's kind of walking in as like the maestro because she can pick who wow. she wants right wow, wow. so a really you know subtle way of, uh, of symbolism there in terms yeah. of where she came from what she's gone through and where she's at right it's now it's so interesting too to see how like when she went from like the highest highs yeah. it's really like commendable when people are like and they like they have so much adulation towards her when she is like you know at the top and obsessed yeah right? and it's so different how the idea obsession changes based on your financial and economic and social circumstances yes right if you're obsessed while you're broke that's so different like you you would almost be like well why aren't you doing something else to like figure your life out together mm-hmm. which is so different from when you're at the top and you're so massively obsessed yeah and and just seeing how people view them so completely differently and they give them so many different opportunities as well yeah and then even the the character of chris who don't we, we don't see on screen but you know she kills herself has you know does you know commit suicide but then we have this new pupil that comes in to, to play here and she doesn't really care about Lydia. Yeah. Like Lydia's taking her on these trips to New York and she's literally lying to her because she doesn't want to spend any time outside of the time she has to spend with her. Yeah. And so like here's someone that's going to be grooming girls and having these students who will literally do anything whatsoever for her time and her attention and her respect. And you have this kind of like, I guess, a prodigy. Um, and then she just drops them. Just drops them. Yeah. And, and yeah, she has that prodigy that doesn't care about any of this. And it's, yeah. it's interesting to see how like, I think the Lydia character is really interesting in that she sees like these people's potential. She gets so excited about it. And then once she grooms them into being the person that she wants to be, she drops them. Yeah. And like, just like is very dismissive because at the end of the day, she probably is like, doesn't like, that version of because she's making them more like herself yeah and then she probably just realizes oh shit I don't even like this person anymore and what's crazy is you know where we end with the movie is like she's a parent like and she has a partner back in Germany like what's to become of them yeah like she's gone to the Philippines like is she now no longer gonna be like a parent anymore and like it's it's really interesting because if this movie was made about a man Mm. I feel like it would be like a really interesting exploration of like toxic masculinity right but this one feels like it's more like oh no no this is about power Right? Like the idea of how power corrupts everybody and affects people in so many different ways. Right. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. Now, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. But yeah, let's get into uh, some of our categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about, obviously, we could skip best character, but if you want to give a little explanation, like give me your thoughts, like why is Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr the best character? I just think it's a tour de, tour de force performance. Yeah. She's literally chosen this part or it's been presented to her because she knows she has to literally put everything into it. Yeah. And like the, the character arc is so extraordinary and she's got two and a half hours to do this. And again, going back to some of the scenes where she has to perform for 10 minutes straight yeah. without a single you know cutaway, I just think there's so many things in here that would have been, you know, really juicy for her to yeah. kind of get involved. And it's just kind of parts that unfortunately are few and far between for women. Yeah. And the fact that she got this and not just got it, but just absolutely nailed it and just hit it out the park. It's easily going to be Lydia Tarr. I think this is a role that anybody would kill for. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. But like number two, like, like we were talking about before, like the Oscar race of like, this person's dominated, this person's dominated, and all this kind of stuff. My like idea of this Oscar race for Best Actress, it's like out the window now. Now mm. I'm just like, oh, okay, okay, you just spoiled it. Now I know who the winner is. Right. And it's got to be Kate Blanchett. Like, yeah. there's no way she's not winning Best Actress for this because she carries not only the movie, but like she carries two and a half hours with this performance. Yeah. And it's so good. I, I just don't see any way that she's not winning this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting when we kind of finally get to the conversation yeah. of kind of going through the list of nominees where we think the Oscars may lean towards yeah. and where we would potentially kind of give the t- tip of the cap from our perspective on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about best scene? Uh, take your pick. It's one of those movies where you yeah. can take your pick. But um, I ended up going for when 
Lydia Tarr just completely snaps and takes out the other maestro. Yeah. Because it's basically the culmination, and to use a, a term from an orchestra, the, the crescendo that's building up, where she is literally A, losing control, but losing everything yeah. that she's worked so hard to build for. It's like in front of her peers and colleagues and the and, audience. And audience she just completely loses it and that's it that's where she kind of like fails the ultimate failure is her losing control of her mind there yeah i had two choices one um just like the idea my favorite scenes in general were the process right Mm -hmm. like when she's composing during practice and the cool thing is they set that up so well because at the beginning when they're having that conversation on stage she talks about like the idea that like during the performance nothing's really gained during that like that's just the execution of the plan but Mm -hmm you gain so much in practice mm-hmm. right and she was talking about how like again it's just it's it's leaning towards the idea of what the process and how much value there is in the process and i feel like that scene at the beginning makes all of those scenes feel so important it's right. almost to the point where like i didn't ever need there to be I, I almost i almost expected there to be like a big performance at the end of this yeah right but the fact that we don't really get that it, it almost makes the process feel so much more important along the way. Yeah. And, and that made the practices feel so much more important. And you can see like the work that's being done in the name of excellence during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and second was kind of along the lines of uh, her fall off. Right. And when she takes a tape and she pops in that tape from uh, Leonard Bernstein mm. and he's just talking about what music means to him and how, how much of an effect music has, despite if you know about, you know, music theory or you don't like, you can feel music yeah and you could see how overwhelmed she is that she lost her way right you know what i mean at the end of the day she tried to just like she was trying to be as excellent as possible and be the best version of herself but she got so corrupted by this uh, the other like um, the things that have happened in her life that like mm. she took advantage of like other people having adulation for her and all yeah. that kind of stuff and she kind of threw away the highest form of her performing her art mm-hmm. for all that other stuff and it's, it's it's a really heartbreaking scene to see that. What about star rating wise? Five being the best, zero being the worst. I'm almost curious to see what your rating is because this is all based on one person's performance. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with a 3.75. The vast bulk of that rating is because of Kate Blanchett's performance. I haven't really gotten into too much about what I disliked about the movie, but I can kind of just briefly kind of go through it. And the main thing for me is general pacing, even though I love a good slow burn. I really do. And that actually is a really important part of how and why this movie works. I just felt for me personally, it was a little too slow. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it could have been, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 minutes shorter. And I think the impact would have been exactly the same for me. But outside of that, yeah, it is all about Lydia Tarr. It is all about uh, Kate Blanchett's performance. And I'm not taking anything away from her whatsoever. And by the way, a 3.75 isn't a bad rating. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm still thinking it's a good movie. And I would recommend other people go out of the way to, to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see myself rewatching this movie uh, ever again. I kind of, it's like a one and done viewing for me. But yeah, I have really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good. I think uh, I, I went with 4.25. Okay. Only because I do think it's one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. Like it's just that score is purely based on her level of performance. Yeah. Right. But on top of that, I. I, you know, it, it, if we're going to talk about what we didn't like, like my biggest thing is just I almost feel say, uh, similar in the way that pacing is the issue, but it's mm. almost like at the end, right? Because the whole movie, I actually do love the slow burn and I love the process and everything that was happening along the way, but then it feels like everything's kind of rushed. The downfall, the third act is like all given to us very quickly, right? And we see this fall off happen so quickly. It's almost like I, I wish we had more time to kind of live with that and almost accept the consequences of everything that happened right uh, one thing that we didn't talk about and it just popped into my mind right now i don't know if you um like recognize this as you were watching the movie the movie has no score mm. it has no score the only music we hear in this movie is when lydia is playing an instrument or where or maybe another character is playing an instrument or whether the orchestra is playing music outside of that this movie has no score, yeah. which is another bold choice to make from the filmmaker. Yeah, that's, that's actually uh, a really interesting point. And not only that, but like you can tell the sound is so delicately handled in mm. this film. Like they make such specific choices of exactly where they want sound to come in, yep. how they want. It's like this movie had its own composer. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that's everything for Tara. Let's get into our last segment of the show. Let's get wrecked. Jonathan, can you hit me with Sandu's pick? So you know how we've been talking about how Amazon Prime in, the, in recent years it's really starting to do something special with some of the IP they have and some of the TV shows they have. Like we've spoken about Invincible. Uh, They've got a big hit with the boys. So 
I jumped on board Hunters a little bit late. I, I kind of binge watched the first season with my wife last year and I had a really good time. S- season two just dropped and we kind of watched it as soon as it dropped because it's so much fun. So let me give you the premise. Exec produced by Jordan Peele and has an incredible cast that is, uh, you know, ultimately led by Al Pacino, who's the most notable member of the cast. But here's the pitch. Here's the kind of like general plot. Nazi hunters discover hundreds of high-ranking Nazi officials in 1977 New York City and are conspiring to create a Fourth Reich in the US. (laughs) And these Jewish hunters are set out to bring Nazis to justice and kind of thwart their genocidal plans. So it's a really interesting concept because you're kind of basically building this alternate universe world mm-hmm. where this kind of story exists and Adolf Hitler is still alive and everything. Yeah, yeah. But just what I mentioned in terms of Al Pacino being involved, Jordan <laughs> Peele being an exec producer, the fact that uh, they've already got a second season. And I'll say this much. There is an episode in season two. And you know the, f- the first opening 15 minutes of Inglorious Bastards, yeah. right? How tense... That scene is. Yeah. There is one, one of episode, the most iconic opening scenes of all time. Right. There is one uh, entire episode in the second season that is essentially not a replica, but very similar to that opening scene in Gloria Bastards, but blown into an hour long episode. And the tension and everything that's created in that episode is probably my favorite episode of all two seasons kind of like combined oh wow so man i i'm so glad that i stumbled upon this kudos to amazon for once again their catalog is getting better and better uh yeah so there you go that's my recommendation hunters available on amazon prime that's awesome um for me obviously i base it on the movie that we're watching but i wanted to go a little bit different because i love the idea of an artist being obsessed and being like very consumed by the idea of ambition Uh, my recommendation though is a comedy slash drama slash musical effort called Dave. It's Little Dicky. He's this rapper who really believes that he's meant to be the biggest rapper ever, right? And this is a really great story about that come up. You know, like the if you're a fan of like Entourage, even though Entourage is, you know, got I got mixed feelings on that show in general. Sure. This is like if they did that show right. Right. right? <laughs> and uh, it lands with the comedy. It lands with the drama. The music is fantastic. Some of the choices this guy makes as far as like, a musical act is so interesting and so much of what we talked about today as far as tar goes is addressed in that show but in completely different ways because mm-hmm. it's a guy who makes dick jokes right right it's just fantastic but go out your way to see it and also they just announced that season three is coming out later this year so uh now's a great time to check it out uh go out of your way to watch dave but yeah that's everything for this week Joma, where can everybody find us we are at screen off script on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok we're available on spotify and apple podcasts and hey listen do us a favor if you've got 20 seconds to spare please rate and review us it honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences awesome thank you for checking us out this week guys take care